This is Todd from the Junkyard Outreach. Welcome and thanks for joining me. For more information and episodes, check out junkyardoutreach.com. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Jesus' words commanding us to be that light, illuminating the fact that with his spirit in us, we have a task at hand. And going back to the fall, where man brought in darkness, God's provision to bring back that light was immediately declared in Genesis 3.14. For the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring, and I'll get to that in a minute, and her offspring, which is Messiah. In Galatians 4.5, shed some light on that. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So God is addressing the devil. Now, personally, I don't think the serpent was a demon-possessed talking snake. Satan himself is confirmed to be the ancient serpent. In Revelation 12.9, it said, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. 2 Corinthians 11.3, it says, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And he goes on in that chapter talking about false teachers and picking it up in verse 13. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, and their end will correspond to their deeds. So it makes sense to me to see the serpent of Genesis 3 as an angel of light, not a talking snake. Calling Satan a serpent, it implies a snake's qualities. They're subtle, they're silent, they're poisonous, they're merciless. So the description fits perfectly. And, you know, we do the same thing. We call people lots of animal names. Pig, that's one I'm familiar with. Dog, cow, or animal. This guy's an animal. I remember talking to a lady one time and this guy who's a creeper, she said, that guy's a snake, you know. So it's not unusual to refer to a person as an animal known for similar characteristics. So I think Satan was the one being cursed, not snakes, in my opinion. That could be wrong, but that just makes more sense to me. So there's a plan of salvation in the beginning, but Satan continues to deceive the world and make those that oppose God his servants or his offspring, as it said. And Eve's offspring, referring to the Messiah or Christ, would bruise the serpent's head, but would also suffer by having his heel bruised. And that refers to the cross where Jesus defeated the devil's chokehold on the planet. So what does that have to do with politics? everything. We got to remember the political realm is ruled by darkness. 1 John 5.19 says that the entire world is under the sway of the wicked one. And where there is money, power, and influence, egos, all these things, there is going to be evil all over it. That is government, no matter if it's in our country, another country, wherever. As Jesus commands his followers, be light of the world. The darkness that the light illuminates is the wickedness of mankind, everything we do from A to Z. That's what that light is for. We need to shine so that the wickedness is exposed. And a serious follower of Christ is going to know where to go first. You go to the wickedness in your own heart. And if you don't think there's any darkness in you, you're deceived. So continually addressing our own darkness, that allows God's light to shine through us. I taught this lesson several years ago to a bunch of kids at like a Sunday school thing. 
I took a flashlight and I put the end of it in my mouth and I turned it on and my cheeks glowed red. And then I turned it off and I asked him if that was my own light or light from the flashlight. And he says, light from the flashlight. And I asked how many of them could make their cheeks glow like mine without the aid of a flashlight. And obviously nobody raised their hands, which is surprising because you always got the one kid who wants to raise his hand no matter what. But God's light is like that light of the flashlight. Unless he is in us, meaning that the Holy Spirit is ministering through us, we don't present that light. And we can't duplicate that light without God. God, because it's God in us. It's his truth. It's his power. It's his love. It's him doing the work. So we as children of the light, we walk in that light, as it says in Ephesians 5, 8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. So use that as a filter to run your votes through. Verse 10, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So let's vote. Let's do it. Get the issues. You read them. I read up on the issues. I try to discern. I make some calls sometimes. Uh, if there's a person in office that I don't know anything about, which is most of the time you don't know who these people are, and you certainly don't know their character. And then I look for that discernment. I try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, like back there in Ephesians 5.10. If a cause opposes holiness, I vote no, without question. I'm like, no, that's evil. That's hurting people. That's destroying people. That's destructive. I don't care what people say. You know, you start going against God's word, it's only going to hurt people. It's not going to help them. They may feel some reprieve from their misery, but man, if you want to help people, you love the people and you share the truth with them. And if it conflicts with Scripture, I can't support it because I'm an intolerant, religious, self-righteous bigot. No, it's because there's a record of every act that we perform written in God's archives. I answer to Jesus first, and I will be held accountable for how I vote, and I don't want to screw that up. So if there's a cause that appears to be legit, meaning it's healthy for our society, it helps people, it helps people progress towards goodness, then yeah, I'll vote for it. And if it's an issue that I don't really know, then I'm going to do my homework and I'm going to vote my conscience best I can. But I'm going to pray before I vote and I'm going to try to discern what pleases the Lord. We have a responsibility in our society to light up this dark place and vote for the issues that bring in that light and the people that bring in that light. That's the beauty of freedom. It's a way of shining that light. It's one of the things that we take for granted in this country. We have the freedom to vote, man. That's big. And the way that I vote, it may not be accepted by some in my circle, but you know what? I take heart and I stand my ground firmly because I'm established in Christ. I want to discern what is pleasing to him. That's where you get your blessing. It's not from trying to liberate the country of some cause that you believe is wrong. It's, Lord, what pleases you in this? So look at politicians. Who do we vote for to bring them into office? That's another way of shining our light. Now, the problem many times with voting for a person, we have no idea what their character is. I've known a few politicians at the local level, and some of them have great character. And they're not believers. And there are believers that have good character and bad character. But some of the people that are the best in the job that I have seen, they have no religious affiliation. They're just people, men and women, of character. And just because a person's a churchgoer and advertises it with some slogan on their sign does not mean they're going to do a good job in that position they're running for. I've personally had the opportunity to be involved in our local government with participating in meetings and projects, things like that, on a few occasions, as well as my hometown addressing my city council after having my birthday party at a local park, which was interrupted by a gang shooting right in front of us. I've seen the headaches associated with addressing serious problems with limited resources. People demand you fix their problems. You just don't have the resources to do it. And I know that there is a battle there. It's tough. It's not an easy arena. And in my birthday party fiasco, watching a city council member who had no idea I was a cop at that time in a neighboring city, he lied through his teeth and 
basically BS'd me for 15 minutes. And I'm like, okay, say what I wanted to say, I'm out. So you got that mix of people. You got your people of character and you got your people who are just going to blow smoke. It's a tough arena. And I have no experience at the state or federal level, but you can imagine it's the same issue. It's a dirty arena. Special interest groups, the wealthy, the radicals, all these people competing for resources, legislation, power, and all that. Man, at the end of the day, I just can't imagine what they do. No wonder there's so many drunks in Washington. So as believers, how do we respond? Simple. Like everything else, we take it to the Lord, we pray for discernment, we step out in faith, we cast our vote with a clear conscience if we can, and then we continually pray for those in power and obey the laws. Obey. The only exception is the laws that blaspheme God, then we refuse to obey. But there are very few of those that actually do. Most of the laws are reasonable. And if they're not reasonable or dumb or outdated, you still obey it because it's a good witness. And don't whine about it. It's like Peter says in 1 Peter 2.3, Be subject to the Lord's sake for every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Now, in these times, the emperor was a bad guy. These guys were killing Christians left and right. And governors had no love for Christians. They were Romans, and they thought Christians were atheists because they didn't worship this pantheon of all these different weird gods. They had one god. They refused to worship their god. So they're like, yeah, you're an atheist. You don't believe in our gods. And they're like, yeah, your gods are whacked. Okay, for that, you're going to the Colosseum. We're going to throw you and tear you apart with wild animals. I mean, it was that kind of environment. And here Peter is saying, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor, but it's a good witness. So don't blow your witness. And politics is an area where Christians blow their witness all the time by the people that they endorse that are evil just because someone says something or or passes legislation that supports the Christian cause, all of a sudden they're a hero. It's like, no, they're throwing you a bone so you'll vote for them, man. Don't do that. Look at the person's character. Who are they? And if they're wicked and they're in office, we still pray for them. That's how we serve God. Joshua said in the book of Joshua 24, 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether gods of your fathers served in this region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Go back and read Joshua chapter 24. It parallels our society. People are just like, yeah, they're giving God lip service. And Joshua's calling them out on it. And he faced the same crap we face today. Everyone living according to what they feel is best for them, not what God commanded them to do. And then you look at the scripture, what happened to them as they departed from God? Same thing that's happening to us. Their lives became miserable. They were defeated by their enemies. They were brought very low until they repented. And by God's grace and mercy, he attempted to restore them, but they continued in this vicious cycle of believing and not believing, following and not following, praising him and not praising. Meanwhile, those who stayed faithful to him, like Joshua and the elders that were with him, they lived out their lives in honor, and they're rewarded in eternity for that. Now, this doesn't mean they were perfect, nor does it mean that we're perfect. We're not perfect. We're all idiots, some degree. But we have an opportunity to be a witness for God. And in the end, after you take your last breath, God's the only thing that's going to matter in your life. You're not going to care about how many likes you got on social media or whatever, thumbs up. The only thing that you're going to be thinking about is God. So start now. 
in the political scene, get involved, get educated, you know, pray for your leaders continually. My wife and I pray for our president, our governor, and our leaders every night. And most of them outright oppose God in just about everything. But that pleases the Lord to be praying for people and lifting them up. And I pray for wisdom for them. I don't pray that God's going to squish them like a bug. I'm praying that, Lord, give them discernment, give them wisdom, give them what they need to do their job that pleases you. And let God handle the rest. We need to remember that God listens to his children. And when we're praying for people, he hears us. Their job is hard and dirty, and we have God's ear. Don't neglect it. Be involved. Don't blow your witness. Thank you.